Hey, good morning, church family. Uh, coming to you from the patio of the, of the house. And uh, we are so thankful for you all. Uh, you've been so much, so welcoming this week. Um, help, thank you for helping with the unloading of our trailer. Uh, I know that was not an easy job to do, but uh, we got it done in three hours. And so uh, now it's time just <laughs> to put everything away in the house, which is a chore in of, of, of itself. Thank you for all the good food, uh, for the gifts, everything you've done. Uh, it's so overwhelming, and from me and my family, we just say thank you very much. Uh, you've, you all have reminded us of what the church is supposed to be and what the church really is. Um, one thing that you will learn quickly about my family and I is that we, uh, we love the church. Um, we dedicate a lot of uh, our time to the church. Um, and I thought, what better message to give this morning than to talk about the church? Uh, this is a way of sharing what my heart is and desire is for the church. And so, if you have your Bibles, please open up with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to be in verses 9-12 through 12 this morning. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. There's so many directions that we could take this passage. Um, for example, we could talk about the individual and their responsibility uh, to long after God's word and to continue to allow God to build uh, them up as they as they recognize that uh, they are holy. Uh, this would certainly be true if you look at the context of of chapter two. Uh, that fits right in there. But I want to keep in line with what I think the overall theme of Scripture is. You see, rarely in Scripture do you find uh, God addressing a single individual. If He does, it's often in, in conjunction with the whole people group. But most often, when God speaks, when His prophets speak, they address a nation or the church. Rarely is there an individual being addressed. Yes, we have a personal faith in Jesus Christ. It is ours. But that faith is supposed to be lived out in coordination with the entire church. It is the church that Jesus died for. It is the church that he established to go and make disciples of all nations. And I think Peter is, is continuing to run in that theme. Uh, it's this theme of unity where, where God's church comes together as one. And we are uh, to be what God has created us to be. You see, this unity is a type that I believe Jesus intended the church to have from the very beginning. In fact, when you see Jesus praying in the Gospels, he prays for the believers, all of those who came after the apostles. He prayed for all of them to be, to be one as he and the Father is, are one. This is the type of unity that when the church is one, it enables you uh, to... to be a light. It enables those who are being persecuted to have joy. And obviously it's Jesus 
it is Jesus is that is our joy in all things. But when we are go, undergoing persecution as the church, we actually become closer together as one. And I believe those who are being persecuted are, are brothers and sisters uh, from, from other countries. Um, they understand what it means to have unity. And I think in America, as the church, we oftentimes we miss out on the opportunity to worship together. And even though we may not have all the same beliefs as our, our, our Baptist brothers or, and sisters or our, our Methodists or Lutheran or whatever they might be, we still have an obligation as the church I think not even an obligation. We have the privilege as a church to be one. And obviously, with Jesus being our joy in all things, whatever happens, we look to Him. So what I find in this passage this morning that I really want to share with us is that as we face the world, we need to remember that we are one church. We are one church. It's sad when you look at the statistics of the many denominations that that uh, encompass Christianity because when you think about it Jesus established one church not 470 see all God's children live under the reign of one king and his name is Jesus and all of us who are in Christ make up that church anyone who's given their life to Jesus Christ you are now a part of that church Peter says that we are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house we all serve Jesus, who is the cornerstone. He holds things all together. He is the foundation. In other places, it says he's the capstone. So he is also what, what seals us. So from top to bottom, it is about Jesus. And I love what Paul writes about this in Ephesians chapter 2. In verses 19 through 22, he says, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together in a dwelling place for, the, for God by the Spirit. So what we see here is as individuals, we are stones that build this entire church. And it is the Holy Spirit that is the, the mortar, if you will, that holds us and binds us all together. Despite every stone being different, every brick being different, we are bound together by the Holy Spirit being built as the church. And to me, it is a, an incredible picture of what the church is supposed to be. It's an incredible picture of what God intended for us to do. And so when we see the church being the church, then we see Christ moving. Think about that for a moment. What a beautiful picture of a building being built, each brick different, but Jesus being glorified despite our differences. I think Peter wrote this letter uh, for, for a reason because when he wrote this letter, he wrote it to five different provinces in the area. All different provinces. They had different ways of, of, of sometimes in their, in their culture. Um, but yet Peter expected them to understand that we are just one church. Peter described the risen Jesus as a living stone that was rejected. Yet he was chosen by God. He was rejected not by God, but by man. He was rejected by his own creation. And he goes back to Isaiah 28, 16 and Psalm 118, 22 to prove this point. 
You see, Jesus was not the kind of savior that was expected. They expected someone to come and be a political ruler of, of everything that was there, and, and yet Jesus came not in a political way. Sometimes, yes, he addressed the political issues, but he came in a way to help the sinners realize that they need a savior. Those who acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah and accept his amazing grace are part of him. And we too become living stones. I love what Warren Worsby said. He said, believers are living stones in his building. Each time someone trusts Christ, another stone is quarried out of the pit of sin and cemented by grace into the building. It may look, it may look to us that the church on earth is a pile of rubble and ruins, but God sees the total structure as it grows. It's really amazing to me what happens when the church is the church. Another thing we're reminded of is that we are all ministers. Yes, uh, I, I am a, a trained uh, pastor, uh, but all the church, all y'all are ministers. We all are ministers. As we understand that we are living stones being built up as a, as a spiritual house, we must take hold of that responsibility that's given to us. And that responsibility is to be uh, amba ambassadors of Christ, that we are to understand that as Jesus is our cornerstone, our capstone, our foundation, we are to go on his behalf and be the church. And so to be the church means that we are to be ministers. We serve together under him. And so what we find in the Old Testament is we find the system of, of, a, of a high priest and other priests underneath him that, that do, the, do the job in the temple. Uh, but that transfer that over to the New Testament, what we are today, it's the same type of thing. Jesus being our high priest and all of us being priests or ministers under him doing the, and having the responsibilities that we have as ambassadors of Christ. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every way, uh, in every respect, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us, be with, uh, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You see, Jesus is the one that is our high priest, the one who is, who is all authority for us. And as ministers, we go and we, with the ability that God has given us, we minister to those who are lost. We have direct access to God. No longer do we have to go to a man and say, you know, Father, forgive me for I have sinned or, or pray for me because, because I've sinned and help me seek forgiveness. You, me, we have that access to go and to give our hearts to Jesus. However, we also have the responsibility to give our spiritual sacrifices. This is, this is the gifts that God has given us and using them for His glory. So we should be giving our bodies our praise, our good works, our money, e even the people that we went to Christ are a spiritual sacrifice to what God has gifted us to be. And this is an everyday thing. This isn't a once in a lifetime. Uh, this, isn't, this isn't every other day. This is every day that we live this way. 
I love what Romans 15, 16 says. Paul writes, To be a minister of Christ, Jesus to the Gentiles, or in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. What is Paul saying? The offerings of the Gentiles. Those who are one to Christ, they're an offering to Him. And so we need to be willing to give that up. It's not about us and the glory we get for for leading someone to Christ and then baptizing them into Jesus. But that is a sacrifice given to the Lord in which we are all ministers. We must work together as we commit to spreading the gospel as ministers. It is my job, not as the, as the pastor, not to do all the work. It is my job to equip the saints, to equip you to go and minister, to equip you to reach your neighbor and, and your loved ones. To equip you to be a light in the city. You see, that's what I'm supposed to do, but also I'm to do that as well. So we serve together as ministers. We need to get the idea of lone Christianity out of our minds. And being a minister of the gospel is not to promote ourselves, but to promote Jesus. It's to promote the church. And we have a personal faith again, but we are to minister together for the sake of the kingdom. And the last thing we learn from this passage is that we are citizens of a holy nation. This world is not our home, but it is the world we are given right now to live in and to take care of. This is the same description that's given to Israel in Exodus 19 and Deuteronomy 7. God's grace and love shines through, through us as we are cho a chosen race. Uh, he has set apart uh, us as his people as we are made a holy nation. The same language that Peter says here is found in Exodus and in Deuteronomy. And since he purchased us with his blood, those who believe have become his people, his children. Because of his, his amazing love, we as citizens of earth are actually becoming citizens of heaven, of a new nation. All of this carries an awesome responsibility though to reveal the living God to a sinful world so that our neighbors and our loved ones in the city in which we live and we call home can understand the grace of Jesus and have an opportunity to be a part of the same holy nation. Each of us bears that responsibility to spread the love of Jesus and each of us as a living example for the grace of God. This is done as one. Not individuals, but as one church. The church works best when we are one. They, it works best when Christ is glorified. And we were, when we are a holy nation, then we have each other's backs. And in the midst of pain and heartache, we come together as one to be what God has called us to be. In the midst of celebration, we celebrate together. We love with, with one another. And when we mourn, we mourn together as a family because we are God's family. Life is better together, church. We are, we are created for community, and we must go through this life and all of its trials, all of its victories together. We need the support and encouragement that only God's people can give. Peter gives us an awesome reminder in our passage of the path that God has called his church to walk. So my challenge to you is that we unify together as the church 
and we walk together, we journey together in this life. And we do so not as lone Christians, but as one powerful church. A church that is committed to reaching people for the grace, with the grace of Jesus Christ, so that they may see that in Jesus, and only in Jesus, there is life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you and I praise you, God, for your goodness and your grace. I thank you for the beauty of this place, for my new church family, Lord, uh, for just the amazing people that they are. But I pray, God, that we would come together truly as one church for your glory, for your honor, and for your business. Lord, that people would be one to you, Lord. That people would understand, God, that, that your grace is sufficient for them. And that they can experience what it means to be saved. We love you and we thank you, Jesus, and we praise you. And we ask, God, that you would continue to protect your church from this COVID-19, Lord. And that, Lord, you would bring us back together again. It's your name we pray. Amen.